Welcome along to the eighth episode of the Keep Agile, Keep Farming podcast with your hosts, Nick and Gwen. Today, we talk to Robert Sake, who's an outspoken champion of agriculture, professional agriculture consultant and serial entrepreneur. Rob has leveraged his strengths to help move agriculture forward over the past 40 years and founded over 15 companies. The latest company he founded is Agvisor Pro, a connectivity and resource platform we will hear more about later. Rob also published two books and was awarded Canadian Agri-Marketer of the Year in 2016. So we're delighted and honoured to pick his brains on some of the hot topics for farmers and food production globally in this episode called How Personalised Help for Farmers is Just One Click Away. A few years back, I wrote an article about resilience in farmers and as part of my research for that, I came across something very important that was mentioned at one of the Resilient Farmer Conferences. Being resilient does not mean that you do not need help. It is actually the opposite. It is the resilient people who ask for help when they need it. So I was very excited when I came across Agvisor Pro and wanted to know from the very person who launched it, how this app can make asking for help really easy and at the same time, highly personalized. Okay, Rob, um, I'll start yep. the questions off today. Um, b- before we dive into the main topic of, of this episode, we'd just like to get your take on, on one or two topical issues around at the moment, particularly in relation to some of the predictions that you've made in your latest book, Food 5.0, How We Feed the Future. Your book was published in 2019 and you predicted that the next 30 years will be crucial for agriculture in its efforts to feed a world population of between 9 to 10 billion. Now, clearly, you know, the world has changed dramatically since then. How do you think the most recent events of war and supply chain disruptions, coupled with harvest failures in several parts of the world, will now impact on this? Well, the uh, the book Food 5.0 was written in 2019. First line of the book was, when you woke up this morning, did you think about a plague? That was uh, arguably 10 months ahead of, of COVID. Uh, the second line of the book was, did you think about war? Uh, that was arguably, you know, three years ahead of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And, and the third line of the book is, did you think about famine? So when I wrote the book, I was thinking, uh, looking into the crystal ball about what uh, a pandemic, what a war and what famine would do to the agricultural supply chain. And we're living that right now. And unfortunately, Nick, I think we're going to see famine, um, famine's ugly head uh, in in the world this year. Uh, So what I wrote the book about was really from the standpoint of how do we feed the future? And so long as we have human beings on the planet Earth, we have to have agriculture be infinitely sustainable. So what does infinite sustainability of agriculture look like? And I really wrote the book to target a 33-year-old mother of two living in a city so that they would better understand agriculture and not be so scared of food and have a more pragmatic look. Uh, about farming and how we produce food. 
Do you think do you think the ag community is ready to tackle these new extraordinary challenges they find themselves in? I don't think that I have particular uh, concern about the agricultural world being able to feed the people of the world. I have a concern about agricultural policies uh, dictated by by politicians that are disconnected. In 2015-ish, I had a TED, TEDx talk, which was entitled, Will Agriculture Be Allowed to Feed 9 Billion People? And I still very much feel that same way, Nick. It's not a question of, can agriculture feed 9 billion? It's a question of, will agriculture be allowed to feed 9 billion people? And that statement sounds preposterous, but when you have policies that are so disconnected from the pragmatism of agriculture, it gives me grave concern. Do you think governments will be forced into making U-turns in policy given recent events? Well, no question. I mean, all you have to do is watch Sri Lanka. Last April, I predicted the downfall of Sri Lanka. The president brought in a policy where they banned all synthetic pesticides and fertilizers. And uh, in, in as little as five months later, that country was on its knees. Tea production had dropped by 40%. Rice production had dropped. They were experiencing 20 to 40% food inflation prices. And today, the country of Sri Lanka has collapsed. How did that all start? That all started with a, with a really bad agrarian policy. And so I'm very, I'm very concerned about it. It can happen very rapidly. And as I look around the planet today and I, and I wonder where people are getting their information to make agriculture policy from, it, uh, it, it gives me great pause. Uh, over to you, Gwen. Okay, yeah, so um, yeah, and one of the questions I actually had was just relating to the, the TED talk that you just mentioned as well, because I also picked up on that when you said, um, yeah, uh, will we actually be allowed to, to feed, feed the world? So it's good that you already elab elaborated on this one. So Rob, you have worked in agriculture um, all your life. And what do you have to say to farmers about networking? Well, I think that uh, you know the the thing about uh, the thing about agriculture is that like if you're a if you're a crop farmer if you're producing crops um, annually you have uh, you know 40, uh, 45 chances to grow a crop if you grow one crop a year I have a shares of a farm in Uganda we grow two crops a year but still that's a very low life cycle in terms of of attempts to do something so. Before a farmer will adopt a new technology or move to quote unquote a more sustainable practice, they have to have the confidence knowing that that practice will work on their farm. And that confidence only comes from talking to experts and other farmers who have been there and done that. So the best expert for a farmer is likely somebody he doesn't know or she doesn't know. And so the ability to have a network that is expanding all the time, a network that's beyond your local region, a network beyond the, 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 the regular people you associate with is very important because it's those networks 
of newly expanding people and expertise that will give you the confidence to make the changes on your farm that you'd like to make. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and following on from that also, I mean, um, having a strong support network and having people to talk to um, and ask for help is actually really what I found is a key characteristic of resilient people. Um, and when I came across uh, your Advisor Pro platform that you developed, I thought that is really the perfect solution for farmers to reach out um, you know, immediately for help at the right moment. So can yeah, you really yeah. elaborate a little bit more on, on, on this platform? Yeah, the, the platform AgVisor Pro, uh, AgVisor Pro was uh, conceived in my brain beginning in 2017. I had a six hour opportunity with Bill Gates to talk about technology integration in agriculture. And in 2018, I formulated the idea of AgVisor Pro and AgVisor Pro really is an application, a platform that connects those seeking agricultural uh, advice with trusted experts who can provide answers. Now, AgVisor Pro is uh, iOS and Android. We, we are not in Europe yet. We're, we're not GDPR compliant yet. We will be coming to Europe, but it's uh, a free download and the, the, the genius, I think, of it is rather than trying to find an expert to answer the question, we let the question, the algorithm is designed to let the question uh, elicit the response from the experts in such a manner that the question is asked on AgVisor Pro anonymously. However, it's geotagged, so we know the question comes from a certain area. And then the experts respond and all the connectivity whether it's uh, chat or uh, uh, whether it's uh, a video or audio conference or video sharing pictures, all of it is built inside of the AgVisor Pro app. So we're bringing together seekers, we're bringing together domain experts, and we're bringing together companies that are on AgVisor Pro in an effort to try to move the ability to get answers now. Rob, on the question of uh, experts and advisors, how, how do you reach out to these people? How, how do you get them on board? Uh, there, there's uh, a lot of people out there in the agriculture community who have a heart uh, and a desire to help move agriculture forward. There's, in my mind, uh, a great deal of domain expertise that's aging. Uh, so I'm concerned about the, the domain expertise that has silver hair that doesn't want to get on airplanes anymore. So what we do is we invite experts to come onto the platform, we vet them, we ensure that they uh, their credentials are accurate, and then they list their areas of expertise. Uh, they uh, put down their designations, their work experience, and this allows us to use the algorithm to match the questions uh, that they might be able to uh, answer uh, inside of the AgVisor Pro platform. So that's how we do it. And we work in all areas. So AgVisor Pro is, first of all, AgVisor Pro isn't a consulting firm. It's a connection company. And we work in the area of crop production, indoor farming, greenhouses. We work with viticulture. We work with aquaculture, work with livestock, dairy, beef production, sheep production. We deal with equipment, precision agriculture, 
Uh, we deal with different kinds of farming like organic or regenerative or conventional farming. And we deal with a, a business management, HR and insurance issues. So pretty much anything that's attached to the business of agriculture uh, is what we are attempting to connect in the platform AgVisor Pro. And how, how, can, how can farmers connect with AgVisor Pro? Well, farmers are, are both seekers and experts at the same time. I mean, uh, some of the deepest domain knowledge that we have in agriculture rests inside the minds of farmers. So we are, uh, again, AgVisor Pro is fairly new. Uh, we're only, uh, I think we're only eight months into the ask the network phase of our, of our platform, which is fairly new. But uh, farmers would come on and they'd list themselves as a farming operation. Again, they would select their areas of interest and that way they can follow questions. And I forgot to mention this, they can follow questions that are of interest to them, but they could also set themselves as experts. So example, uh, a farmer might set himself up as a Trimble expert, somebody who's got deep domain knowledge in Trimble guidance technology and that farmer could answer the question of another farmer. So it's really, uh, you know, it's really about the network effect. Um, I, I've built a, a, a large consulting firm before, uh, coincidentally sold it to Trimble. Um, but right now what I'm really interested in is I'm interested in figuring out how to build the largest, um, most credible independent consulting or independent connection network on the planet. That's really what I'm, I'm after right now. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting stuff. Uh, a question for you. Um, I've started reading your book, actually, and uh, I love the, the little rant boxes with the, <laughs> that you have in the book. And because some of them I can relate so much. They're like, yeah, some of the rants that I also, and you can confirm that mm -hmm. um, I also sometimes just uh, <laughs> talk about as well and um, frustrate me sometimes. So one of my frustrations is also, um, you know, and I'm getting really excited about precision livestock farming and, and the new technologies coming coming to, to, to help with that. Uh, when people then just say, oh, yeah, but that's all very niche. Um, so I would just like to see your view on it because you are also, I mean, heavily involved in, in that as well. Uh, I mean, how do you see the adoption of precision livestock farming technologies on farms today? Well, you know, Gwen, that's a great question. And so as I stare into the future, well, first of all, let me back up. Uh, I've never met a farmer yet who wants to use more fertilizer and more crop protection products. I've never met a farmer who wants to put on more or spend more money on a crop. They do it to protect the crops from insects and diseases and to control weeds and to make sure the crops grow. So there's a couple of things that are going through my mind, Gwen. If we take the, the assumption that all farmers would like to reduce their, their use of uh, synthetic fertilizer pesticides or all pesticides in general, then you could say that the world would like to produce food more organically. Well, if we're going to produce food more organically, there's only two ways that I see us being able to do that and still feed the planet given the yield drag of organic production, and that is geo. GEO. So one of the technology that has to be uh, allowed to be used for farmers to feed the future is genetically engineered. 
genetically engineered technology allows us to have plants that resist insects and diseases. The second one is geo, and what I mean by that is geospatial. And when you look at the uh, explosion of robotics in agriculture, I think robots can be used to uh, provide weed control and uh, really reduce some of the, the expense and labor uh, demands on, on agriculture. So I, I think when I think about the next book I'd like to write, it, it comes from the standpoint, Gwen, that to feed the future, you cannot use the technology of the past. Uh, the technology of the past will not feed the population of the future. And to feed the population of the future, we have to think geo, genetically engineered. We have to think geo as in geospatial. And we have to think about uh, sustainable intensification. So the only way for us to feed the population of nine or 10 billion is through sustain sustainable intensification. And that is the implementation of a whole bunch of technologies that converge on the farm. So whether it's precision agriculture, remote sensing technology, robotics, genetically engineered crops to resist uh, insects and diseases, all of those things will come together to create the agriculture that's infinitely sustainable and can feed the population of the future. Mm -hmm. Rob, Rob, you've not hidden your frustration at certain governments' apparent opposition to, to GEO, but um, there's been a, a recent development with the EU um, apparently being a little more open-minded towards uh, GEO, particularly with precise gene editing techniques. Do you welcome that? Well, I do. I mean, but paradoxically, yesterday in Italy, there was a ruling against genetically engineered crops and, and gene editing in Italy yesterday. So on one hand, we have people saying that the EU is opening up in terms of their uh, consciousness with respect to policies towards genetic engineering. And on the other hand, you have rulings in, in uh, Italy and northern Italy is suffering the worst drought perhaps in history right now with the Po River drying up. So uh, there's a company out of Argentina producing a drought tolerant wheat and that drought tolerant wheat produced by a company called BioSeries would not be available to Italian farmers that are suffering one of the worst droughts in history. None of this makes any sense. I mean, that, uh, that situation in Italy right now is resulting in, in the ocean moving up the river resulting in uh, salting uh, salination of the soil. So you're going to have to have saline tolerant crops. Well, it just so happens that bioengineering can produce a drought tolerant saline tolerant wheat, and we're not gonna let the farmers use it because of some paradoxic hypocritical you know, ruling. Uh, it doesn't make sense. On one hand, you say we have to do, uh, we have to produce food, we have to protect the environment, we have to reduce our footprint and we have to restore the environment. So we have to protect, produce, restore and reduce all at the same time without having the tools to do so. This is crazy. And this is why the farmers right now in, in Holland, in Germany, in, in France, in Poland are, are, are protesting because the policies don't make any sense. And it's like the politicians are like lemmings running into the ocean right now. That was that was one question I wanted to get in at the end. I, I meant to ask you that earlier on when we were talking about 
current affairs and what's happening in the world politically. But I'm glad we were able to circle back and, and touch on that because it is a very important topic. And I know it's one that's very close to your heart. Yeah, it, you know, I, I think that we just, agriculture is such a small percentage of the population. And, you know, the difference between 1960 and today in terms of agriculture production is most families were one or two generations away from the farm. So intuitively, they had a grasp of farming by visiting grandma and grandpa's farm. Today, those generations are three, four, five generations removed from agriculture, having no conception of the realities that farmers deal with and no understanding of the tools that the farmers need. And I said it before, but you cannot feed the population of the future using the tools of the past. So we have to embrace convergence on the farm and we have to understand that policies need to be aligned with that. We need to have farmers confident in the technologies that they can implement quickly to ensure uh, sustainable intensification. And so again, that's why I'm building AgVisor Pro. Hopefully politicians will also come on the platform and ask questions, but AgVisor Pro is designed to help agriculture get to a higher level of confidence and sustainability. Yeah, do you think the AgVisor Pro is also going to help, you know, to um, accelerate adoption then of these new technologies, like you say, giving the confidence to farmers um, to just try out yeah, no, some of yeah, these new technologies? No question. No question about that. I mean, as, as I traveled recently, I traveled uh, throughout most of Spain, traveled Italy, traveled uh, Portugal, and I'm looking at, you know, uh, olive groves on the sides of hills, and I'm looking at excessive cultivation for weed control in those olive groves on the sides of hills. And I'm asking the question, why? Why are they cultivating like that when they could use a cover crop? And perhaps the answer is they don't have access to the herbicide technology that they need to ensure that there's zero soil disturbance and at the same time being able to control the weeds in these olive groves. So these are the kind of pragmatic questions that, that, uh, that I would like uh, AgVisor Pro to help farmers address. We hope that um, a lot more um, well, experts and also farmers are going to make use of this technology and um, the Ag of Agvisor Pro and, and spreading really knowledge um, because, yeah, spreading. Yeah, I encourage, I, encourage the lesson, uh, I encourage the listeners to go to A-G-V-I-S-O-R uh, Pro, agvisorpro.com, visit our website. The downloads are free on iOS and Android and it's free to get started and use it. Uh, however, we are not in Europe just yet. We have to get GDPR compliant. We are also looking for investors and people who have uh, the desire to make an impact on the agriculture community globally. So if there's anybody out there that like to uh, play ball with us on the business level, we're interested in talking to them. So that brings us to the end of another episode. And we'd really appreciate it if you could drop us a like on Twitter and YouTube. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave a comment as well with your thoughts on this topic. It really helps us to grow the podcast and increases engagement, so thanks a lot in advance for that. And until next time, keep agile and keep farming.